Good Thursday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com Mailbag Podcast. Glad to have you along with us on this podcast, brought to you by our good friends at Blue Water Climate Control. You can give them a call at 865-299-2290 or book an appointment online. And if you book an appointment online with Blue Water Climate Control this month, you'll get 10% off of your repair. There's no fees for after-hour charges or uh, weekend charges. Saturday appointments are available. So do all that online booking if you have a heating and air need at bluewaterclimatecontrol.com. You can learn more about them on Twitter at blueh2o underscore climate as well. So uh, plenty to get to in this mailbag podcast with Austin Price and Rob Lewis. I'm Brent Hubs. And gentlemen, let's just jump right into it. How about that? We'll just go right into the questions here and and get going on this thing. And we'll start with Vol since 1996, who's got an offensive line question. Will Karon Calvert play a little bit more down the stretch? Seems like we had a boost when he played more in the Auburn game. Odd that he hasn't gotten to play as much this year compared to last year. Uh, where has he been all season long? And as a side question, would Tennessee take a look or at, would take or look at a shot at a bowl game for this year? Um, I think on the side question, Jeremy Pruitt was pretty clear when asked about it on Wednesday, whether or not they would go to a bowl game if they were invited. He said absolutely they would take a bowl game if they were invited to a bowl game. I think the big question about bowl games is how many bowl games are there actually going to be? We learned on Wednesday that the Las Vegas Bowl had been canceled, and I think there's very likelihood that some more bowl games are going to be canceled. But uh, let's go to the K. Ron Calvert's question here. Um, what, what do you think? Is it simply because he missed so much time that you haven't seen him? What, what do you think has prevented K. Ron Calvert from getting on the field? I think contact tracing back in August and September for sure hurt him badly. But uh, I'm surprised that he hasn't gotten more. I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying Darnell Wright's been bad, but he's certainly not been an All SEC tackle. And the one extended run we have, we did see from K. Ron was in that drive in the second half at Auburn when I think Tennessee picked up 64 yards on eight plays. And I'm not saying that was all. Certainly was not all because of K. Ron, but you know he he was out there and, and certainly doing his job. So I, I don't have an answer, but I'm. I'm with the poster. I'm surprised that he hasn't gotten more of an opportunity with the way he finished last year. Yeah, I mean, I think you'll see more of him Saturday. Could see him at guard. Could see him at tackle. Um, Tennessee's going to be uh, have a different looking group on the offensive line Saturday, so um, they'll get a couple of those guys back uh, late Friday night, early Saturday morning off of contact tracing, but they'll still be without a couple of guys. So I, I think you'll have the opportunity Saturday. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys. I'm surprised he hasn't played a little more at right guard or right tackle. Uh, beside Cade, with, with Carvin being out for as extended period as he was, uh, I'm surprised they didn't bump Cade out to tackle and, and play Karon at guard or, or vice versa uh, when, when Darnell Wright was having some moments where he didn't play particularly well. Um, but Coach Pruitt mentioned that, that Karon played well when he was given the opportunity to play in this last game. So we'll see how much he goes moving forward. I'm, I'm sure he's been frustrated with his lack of playing time this year. Um, and again, he, he was heavily influenced or heavily uh, saddled by contact tracing in, in September and in August that did probably set him back some. But with the open dates they've had he, and the fact that he's played uh, as much as he did a year ago, he should be plenty caught up with, with all that stuff and, and, and fully available to go. So we'll see how much he plays on Saturday. All right, UT Volfan29 wants to know, could you see a scenario where Austin Pope returns next season? If not, besides Warren and hopefully – um, Wolf, will we have any tight end who contributes next season? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a scenario where he does come back. Um, but I also think that, you know, that guy's got a lot of wear and tear on his body. 
And, uh, you know, from a quality of life standpoint, how much do you want to keep just beating yourself up? Um, you know, when, you know, you know, football will eventually end for him sooner rather than later. So, I mean, I could see, you know, him just deciding to call it quits. If that happens, you know, Warren, Fant, uh, Wolf, um, I think Miles Campbell's a guy, you know, the problem with a guy like Sean Brown is, is he's slowly, you know, he, he's not been able to take advantage of any kind of play playing time this year when Tennessee's just frankly very pedestrian at that position. And, uh, you know, they hope that, you know, some of these young guys, even if a guy like Trendy Bell might get a look there, even if he, you know, eventually ends up on the D line, um, you know, it's, it's going to be harder for a guy like Sean Brown to crack through. Rob, you think any chance Riley Locklear drops a little weight and, and becomes just a legit a, a tight end, not necessarily a pass catching guy, but a John Finlayson type guy or, 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 or a tight end like that that we've seen in the past? Because, I mean, he had to put on weight to get big enough. So I, I would think dropping the weight would not be that big of a deal. Do you think that he could, you know, become a yeah. full-time tight end? I mean, I think he could do that and just be, a, you know, another blocker. I, don't, I, th- I think that's certainly, you know, possible. But I don't know that I don't know that, that really is the answer that this guy's looking for when he talks about contributing. But, yeah, I mean, he could, get, he could drop down to, you know, 275, I would say, pretty easily, 270 and, and play there. Well, it's not like it's not like Austin Pope lights it up and no, you're right in the receipt in the pass reception game, uh, for for sure. So uh, I just wonder if you know Paul, if Pope can't come back, if that's not something with Riley Locklear and his return next year that they don't look at and say, hey, you can be a backup guard, you know, and be in the quote rotation on the offensive line, or you could be you know that Austin Pope role if he's not back and you know, that to me would be intriguing to him because it gets him on the field more. And he certainly did a solid job in the jumbo package based on uh, comments that the coaching staff and people in the program have made publicly and privately uh, about, you know, the impact of his injury this year. UT Sportsman 16 wants to know odds that Eric Gray is UT's all-time leading rusher, assuming he stays two more seasons. Uh, Travis Henry leads with 3,078 yards. Gray currently has 1,190 yards. I'm going to say Eric Gray does not end up being Tennessee's all-time leading rusher. Yeah, I mean, I would I would lean that way too, just because they're going to they're going to look to reshape that backfield room, and so like how he's used now versus how he's used a year from now could be two totally different things. That's not mean he's not going to end up with games where he rushes for 120 or 130. But I don't think his – I think his number of touches could go down because he has better players around him. Would you know? I was going to say, I'd say that next year when you get Tyron Evans here, you see how, you know, Brown develops. But my point is, I'd say his days of, his days of getting 30 carries in a game are, are probably going to be behind him. Yep. I think the big number for him is going to be all-purpose yards, you know, because I think you'll continue to see him evolve in a pass game and if they get Evans here, Cody Brown, they get some more depth and those younger guys come about, you could see them playing two running backs on the field at the same time, which we have not seen to, to this point, particularly if they've got a heavy guy. You know, you could play somebody back in the backfield and you can you could use him in some variety of ways in the slot and some different things like that where you play um, two running backs on the field at the same time. C.D. Vall wants to know, uh, in his opinion, Tennessee needs corners badly in this class, not only to upgrade the talent level, but just from a numbers perspective, it seems like they don't have a lot of corners on the roster. Who are some of the names to keep in mind other than Nyland Green? Also, do you see Niedermeyer coaching linebackers next season? I personally need to think they need to move him to a different spot on the staff. What do you guys think? Well, um, you know, 
yeah, that's why the loss of, you know, Demarius McGee was so uh, so rough around the football complex. Um, that's why they're going to fight tooth and nail to try to get him back in the class like they did with Tyon Evans. Nylon Green does not feel like he's going to end up here. Um, that one still feels like Georgia. You know, uh, Clemson's made another late swing here, but that kid's been all over the map. Um, you know, and, you know, I think they'll probably go the transfer route, Brent. You know, can, can who can they go get? You know, I think there are some guys out there um, in the South, maybe even in the state of Tennessee, um, go the transfer route and go get a kid. Um, and so, you know, I don't see Niedermeyer moving positions. I, I don't think that behooves you to bounce him around. If you're doing that, that means, you know, you're firing Joe Osavet or, you know, uh, or he's moving on. You know, or you know, or you're shuffling. You know, you know, maybe Osavet goes to quarterbacks if Chris Winkie wasn't back. Who knows? I mean, point is, is like, I just don't think that, you know, moving Brian Niedermeyer around is what they're going to do. Yeah, I would. I mean, I would. I would think you're you're right. Um, you know, obviously the inside linebacker play has to be improved. It has to be better than what it's been um, this year, Rob. That they've got to get more production out of Henry T. He's not been the same player that he was. Um, uh, you know, that they've got to improve some things there. Uh, but I, I don't, you know, I don't think that if you're Jeremy Pruitt at some point and you're the coach at Tennessee, at some point, you got to settle with the staff. You got to solve your staff. You can't, it can't keep being the, the revolving door all the time with your staff trying to get it right. You got to get it right sooner rather than later. And, and I don't think moving Niedermeyer to another position um, makes a lot of sense unless you had an opening at tight end. If, if Osvet were to leave, I don't think you create that movement unless that movement's created for you. Um, well, he's also working with two high school running backs and guys who didn't, you know, didn't have a spring practice play. And, you know, Banks had played there, but not, you know, any significant amount of time. And for Crouch, it was, you know, almost totally new. Now, the, the Henry T thing, that's I, – I don't know that you can put all that on Niedermeyer, but that is that has been one of the bigger surprises on the team. For me, I, I think that Coach Pruitt was going to help Brian along too, and then all of a sudden, you know, and of course this was his own doing. He fired Jimmy Brumbaugh, and all of a sudden he became the defensive line coach, and so helping linebackers was something that kind of got put on the back burner um, for this current group. But I know one thing, they don't want to move Osavet around, or and they sure don't want to get rid of Joe because, you know, Coach Pruitt I know is very high on Joe's ability as a recruiter, same thing with Niedermeyer. So they don't want to lose those guys. So, I mean, I think, again, you'd have to really shuffle your, your staff around elsewhere, um, you know, to, to make that happen. I just don't see it. All right. Uh, TS 2340 wants to know, Freeze and Fulmer hate each other to the point that they don't speak. How involved is Fulmer day-to-day? AP answered this question earlier, but would really enjoy if you guys discussed it. I hear things all over the board. I don't think there's any secret. It's not a big secret that that Philip Fulmer and Hugh Freeze have never been buddies. That goes back to Freeze's days as a high school coach in um, in West Tennessee. Um, the Michael Orr recruitment and and all the things that that went on there. Um, I, I don't think that there's you know a lot. There's love lost there. I don't know that I would use the word hate. I just don't think they have a relationship. And I think Philip Fulmer has never been had a desire to have a relationship with Hugh Freeze. Um, In in terms of Fulmer day-to-day, I don't think it's any different than it was a year ago when they were winning games, you know? So, I mean, you know, and and I get, look, everybody's frustrated. This team's not winning. Um, 
and, and so you're looking for every possible reason why. And suddenly now it's back to, you know, Fulmer's meddling. And, you know, a year ago he was, he was going to take over for Jeremy after, after Pruitt's slow start. And then they started winning. And I don't think coach Fulmer's involvement in the program is any different right now than it was at any point in time a year ago. He, he watches tape on his own. I don't think he hangs out in all the offensive staff meetings. I don't think he sits in game planning meetings with Jim Chaney. Uh, does he write up, you know, reviews? Does he write up grades and pass along things to the offensive staff? Absolutely he does. Does he talk to Jeremy Pruitt on a daily basis? Absolutely he does. Uh, but, but I don't think he's in there taking over meetings or anything like that. So And, I, and, I, and is Jeremy I, Pruitt totally comfortable with this, Brent? Absolutely he is. He's very comfortable with Coach Fulmer you know, being involved in a, in a lesser capacity, you know, I mean, like he, he wants the, that sounding board and, he, and uh, real, real frankly, he needs that sounding board. You know, again, when he first took over, he was a first time head coach whose biggest asset was an AD that was a first time AD and he was, you know, trying to keep his head above water. So, I mean, I think from a football standpoint, he needs that kind of person to bounce off of. Yeah. I think that's the one interesting part about this, Rob, when everybody talks about coach Fulmer and this is not a knock, but you know, people don't want to necessarily look at the fact that he's had as big of a learning curve in the job that he's got right now as Jeremy Pruitt's had in being a first-time head coach. Yeah, I mean, leadership's not a problem, but the nuts and bolts, the daily, you know, the million things that you have to deal with to run an athletic department, I think he's probably to still, to some extent, probably still learning on the job. Yeah, and by the way, in the middle of that learning curve, you're dealing with something that nobody's ever seen before in the COVID pandemic that's causing all kinds of financial issues and, and everything else. So, um, you know, it, it's just one of those things where I don't think Philip Fulmer is the problem there. And again, I, you know, the freeze thing, there, there's, I don't know. Austin, I don't know any other way to say it that there's just there's no relationship there, right? Well, I mean, like if they if the two of them walked into a room, do I think they'd speak to each other? I do. I do think they would. I think they would be your common hello, how are you? Um, you know, but they're not gonna sit there and you know eat a you know a bowl of ice cream together. So I mean, like you know, again, I think everybody just makes such a big deal out of it. I mean, Hugh Freeze has morphed into the John Gruden, the modern day John Gruden. You know, until Tennessee's got an opening. You know, I just think this is going to be like just yelling hire Hugh Freeze is not going to wish it into existence. So, you know, it, it it's one of those things where every day it's like Groundhog Day looking at the GQ with 67,000 threads about Hugh Freeze. I mean, let the season play out, see what happens, and then go from there. Well, and the difference between, Rob, between Hugh Freeze and John Gruden is realistic. a lot more realistic. John yeah. Gruden was always just a, you know, as a few people, it was a pipe dream that turned into, you know, um, people were trying to wish that went into existence where this one feels, you know, I mean, it's no, if Tennessee that, wanted him, they could probably get him yeah, but that's gonna deal with, with everything that's going to come with that. Right. And that's the question. So we'll have to see, you know, as Austin says, this thing's got to play out. I mean, Philip Fulmer was on vol calls Wednesday night, you know, telling everybody to be patient, you know, and, um, talking a lot of positive things that he sees out of, out of the direction that Jeremy Pruitt's taking this program right now. Uh, Pine Mountain Vol wants to know what does a successful Saturday look like for Harrison Bailey? For me, I'm going to take. I'll jump in here first. For me, it's about um, operation management. Don't turn the football over. Is he going to throw for 350? Is he going to throw for 300? I don't expect that. But take care of the football and don't have delay game penalties. Don't have mass confusion where guys don't know where to line up. 
and all of those things. I think the operation and, man, and, and securing the football are the two views that I would say that that's a successful day for a freshman quarterback against a Todd Grantham defense. Yeah, don't sit, you know, drives back with, with you know, false starts, delay games, you know, to the point where, like, you can't get off the ground on a drive. Or if you're driving the ball, you have a, a, a drive stall out because of operation, you know, problems that you just suggested. And then I think one or a fewer turnovers. I, I, I don't, I'm not going to put the pressure on the kid. He's saying he can't turn it over. One or fewer, I think, is a solid day. Rob, I don't have anything to add. I, I mean, that's that's what I would exact exactly what I would say. Just don't be a deer in headlights. Be poised. Uh, S. Pitval, uh, you guys have said previously that it's likely Britt Samiglin moves on and not return in 21. Considering how poorly he's kicked this year, do you see that scenario where he returns? See, I, I've had this conversation several times this week. You know, I, I think that it behooves him to come back because finding a job in the NFL is hard enough as it is. So why leave early? You know, why not, you know, come back, kick again here, um, you know, get a second degree or whatever you want, you know, however you want to go about it. Um, and then, you know, go to the league a year from now. Because, I mean, again, it, it's a total coin flip to get a, a kicking job in the NFL every year, no matter how good of a kicker you are. Plenty of good kickers in college football. There's been plenty of good kickers here over the years that never really sniffed the NFL. Yeah, I agree. I think the question is, does he want to still be in college? You know, does he, does he enjoy being a part of this program? Does he want to be in the program? Um, because whether he goes out this year or goes out next year, Rob, he's going to have to pick – whatever camp he wants to go to in the NFL as a free agent kicker, uh, try to find a winning situation and, and see if he can land that way. He's not going to be a drafted football player uh, this year or next year as a kicker. So NFL status is not going to change for him. He'll still get invited to a camp this year or next year. I think the bigger question is, does he want to be back in college for another year or is he ready yeah, to I, move on? I mean, if he's healthy in the spring, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see him move on. I mean, I, you know, Jeremy's hinted off and on that, that he's not been healthy this year, but certainly, you know, his performance would certainly suggest that after the kid was 23 to 27 last year. But, and so if, if, if it really is a health issue and if he's healthy in the spring, then I would think his chances would be just as good in, in 21 as they are in 22. Cause as you say, he's not going to get drafted. He's going to have to make a team in a camp. So I think it comes down to, does he want to be in college or not? All right, Austin, this is for you. This is from butt chug, 1998. Chad Simmons just wrote after doing some checking around today, he does not see Terrence Lewis back in Knoxville. I know AP mentioned that Tennessee would try to get him back in the boat. Do you believe Terrence Lewis has moved on? The staff has moved on, or do you believe neither to be the case at this point? I don't think neither is the case at this point. Uh, although I do think that like the, the chances of him in this class are, are not real good. I mean, I think the chances for, uh, Demarius McGee to end up here are, are much stronger than that of Terrence Lewis. Miami for Lewis? Uh, Auburn, Texas A&M. A&M's always kind of been there. Auburn's kind of a new player for him. So, uh, you know, interesting developments with two weeks to go. But not surprising, again, we talked about this. You know, if you said before the first football was kicked off at the end of September, who's most likely to, you know, defect and decommit, he would have been right at the top of the list. Yep, certainly. I Heart Vols wants to know, can you discuss the lack of playmaking on defense this year? Seems like there's been less stunning and fewer safety corner blitzes than in years past under Pruitt. Also, do you think the staff will have six offensive assistants and four defensive assistants next year? 
And will Cheney continue as a walk-around coach? It would seem to make sense for him to go coach quarterbacks, but that seems dicey given Simpson's relationship with Chris Winkie. Rob, let's start with the first one there. Are you surprised Tennessee's not been a little more exotic defensively? I wonder if that's not because of how bad they've been covering the middle of the field. If Jeremy feels like he can't risk, you know, the, the risk reward is greater if he, because they've had so many problems there. That's, that's, that's my, my first reaction. Cause I, I agree. I mean, I, you know, I don't have the percentages, but it doesn't seem like he has dialed up as much pressure, especially coming, you know, off the, out, off the slot, as we saw Schamberger, you know, really do a lot of last year. I mean, certainly seen some of it, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm with I'm with the, with iHeart Vols here. I'm a little surprised that he hasn't dialed up more more things to try and get pressure. When getting pressure with just four is a problem. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I thought they would be. I thought he would take more chances, and maybe he will in these last few games. But uh, I, you know, I, I would. And I thought in the fourth quarter of the Arkansas game, they did take more chances. They brought some safety blitzes. I thought they did some things in that fourth quarter which did generate some, some pass rush on Filippo, Felipe Franks, which they didn't do in the first three quarters of the game. Would you see a scenario where he does alter in a, in a staff reshuffle, assuming he's back next year, that he would alter the, the balance of offensive coaches, the defensive coaches? Or do you think this is the way Cheney wants it with, if Cheney's back next year and that, that it would stay six and four? I think it stays six and four because it's really six and five. You when you know, talk about Pruitt as being a talk about Pruitt, yeah, 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 I think so. I mean, I, I, I don't see that changing if Jim Cheney is the uh, is the uh, offensive coordinator here. You've already got now D line coach outside, which is the equivalent of what Chiefs, you know, uh, defense looked like. You know, you had Caldwell and and Brooks and Brooks, and right now you've got you know, well, formerly Brum, Brumbaugh and Shelton Felton linebackers, which was chief. Um, and then uh, he actually has one more defensive assistant than normal. Yeah. So I, I think it stays the same. All right, let's go to Bruce Vall. With Bennett's dismissal, does Barron start in the base defense? Do we see more Morvin Joseph and possibly even Bryson Eason? Rob, I think you're going to see more Roman Harrison. Uh, I do think you're going to see Tyler Barron, you know, get to start, DeAndre Johnson. And then I think you'll see some Morvin Joseph. The, the Bryson Eason stuff, Austin and, and Rob, his name has not been bannered about the way it was the middle part of the season when they had some of those first initial Sunday night scrimmages. No, it's not. Um, it's been less and less. And, and uh, you're right. I think Roman Harrison makes the most sense. And then Tyler Barron. I do think Tyler will see more base defense, though. And Roman, Roman in obvious passing situations. Yeah. And I, and I think Morvin Joseph in some passing situations to try to generate some you know, generate some stuff there if they can, they can find something that way uh, as well. But uh, we'll we'll see. I was gonna, one of the most. I mean, this isn't a guy that the question's about. And I don't think he's going to play. But I thought one of the most kind of eye-opening things Jeremy said Wednesday night was that Martavius French has dropped twenty-six pounds since he yeah. got here. That's a guy I think we all wondered if he wasn't going to grow into to a defensive end. But uh, he's gone from two fifty-one to two twenty-six. So that, that tells you something about the, how hard that kid's working. Yeah, they're growing him down, and then Eason's growing up. You yeah. Know. yeah, he's certainly getting big there. Um, all right, this is from T. Campbell, 44. Have you guys looked into the financials of keeping Pruitt versus letting him go? I don't want the BS of there's no money. There is money. Uh, can either be obtained or borrowed under 
until the new contracts happen. Uh, there's really good breakdown by some local guys that make a very valid case for financially moving on. I don't think at the end of the day that this is going to boil down to simply saying we're not going to make this move because we don't have the money. The, the decision and the equation financially is how much does it cost you versus how much do you think you might lose or not lose if you keep Jeremy Pruitt? That's the equation. Um, and, and that's something that I, I don't know what season ticket renewals are going to look like. I don't know where they think they are with some of those things. But the bottom line is, and I think we're seeing this around the country, you're ultimately making a decision on whether or not you think the guy you have running your program can win. If you believe that, you know, if you believe you're a few, there are a few players away, the quarterback play away from being a, you know, a seven, eight, nine win football team this year, or, or, you know, what, six win, six, seven win team this year, the equivalent of a nine win team in a normal year. Um, and, and you think that's the case, then I think they're going to ride with him. Um, if you're sitting there and you think, you know what, this guy's not the answer and he doesn't win, Rob, then it, it doesn't make sense to hold out for one more year to, to try to ease some financial burden because ultimately it's probably not going to ease a financial burden that way. It's well, and it's this is something I'm certainly not the first person to say this. If you feel or if you've gotten a read that you're going to lose 10, 15,000, even 20,000, you know, season tickets next year, then now all of a sudden the you know, $13 million buyout doesn't look so extreme. But right. I mean, how, how can you gauge that right now other than? You know, I don't, I don't think, I don't know what the market research looks like, but I do know Tennessee, the guy who make the ultimate decision, the president or Randy Boyd is, is somebody that nobody needs to coach up on business. Yeah. They don't need to coach up the financials and the business of, of making, you know, critical decisions that way. As for borrowing the money, um, you know, they can take money from uh, the university reserve. Um, you know, that that's been done before and that can be done on contracts and, and can be handled that way because all contracts are, are signed by the chancellor, which means they default under the university's umbrella, not just the athletic department's umbrella. Um, so if, if you couldn't pay that contract, if you couldn't pay the salary for those contract per people, then, then their money could come out of a university fund, not just the athletic department. All right, Panic Ball wants to know, why is it Jim Chaney, the quarterback coach, he's got a track record of doing it? And, well, Winky does not. Uh, Jim Chaney wanted to be a walk-around coach. They want to be a walk around coordinator. Um, that's what he, you know, that's what he wanted to do. And, and that's what Jeremy Pruitt and him agreed to do uh, when he took over the job. I, we're not at practice. I don't know how much Jim Chaney's working with quarterbacks on a daily basis right now. Uh, maybe he's very hands-on involved in that. I don't, I don't know because we're, we don't have the opportunity to attend practice. Question two from Panic Ball. Who else besides Salter is planning on being an early enrollee in this class? Austin, do you have the numbers in front of you to list or around you or right off the top of your head in terms of early enrollees? Uh, I think it'll be around it'll be right around double digits. Uh, I've got to I've got to look at all that. I know it's yeah. been asked a couple times on the board. I've just I got double- around to making a call to get exactly the exact number. Yeah, we got to double check a couple of things. Isaac Washington trying to be a midterm enrollee. Is that not right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, I think that's a defensive guy that that is a possibility of, of that as well. Uh, third question for Panic Ball, Bo Davis for defensive line now that the line staff is done, assuming Pruitt returns. I think that's a call Jeremy Pruitt makes. I think he certainly uh, would be more than happy with Bo Davis being on his staff. Uh, PC Showtime, what were the differences in UT's COVID protocols and other SEC teams during fall camp? 
I keep hearing ours were more strict than others, but no one is saying how they were strict. I think Tennessee had more contact tracing. I think they were a little more stringent on contact tracing areas where contact tracing applied uh, in, pro in their program to where maybe some other programs in the, in the SEC didn't consider contact tracing a, a part of that, maybe a locker room or a team room. Uh, some schools, uh, you know, saw those the equivalent of the practice field where contact tracing was not an issue or not a factor. Um, and, and Tennessee was very specific and in, in that only the practice field was excluded from contact tracing. Yeah, look, look, just look at the change in the rule by the CDC earlier today. You know, when you when you look at, you know, what Tennessee's dealt with, like one Yankee, 42 days, 42. But going off of the new guidelines, because neither one of them has ever had COVID, um, they would have only missed 21 days because they could have, you know, with a negative test, it would have been seven-day quarantine instead of 14 days. So there's a huge difference between 21 and 42. That's cutting it in half. Yeah, I know talking to somebody that covers another SEC school, and this is secondhand, so I don't want to I don't want to name the school because it may not be entirely accurate. But I was told that the contact tracing was limited to roommates or suite mates, and that uh, it involved and you took a, you took a test three straight days in a row while you were, you were quarantined for three straight days. You took three tests, and if those were negative, then you were back, which is much different than what's happened here. Yeah, yeah. very much, very much so. Very, very different. All right, J.L. Tucker's got a couple of questions here. We'll get to um, as many of them as we can before we uh, uh, punch out on this podcast here on this Thursday mailbag edition. First one, why haven't Chaney and Winky been able to do with J.G. what Chaney supposedly did with Crompton? I know they're two different people, two different careers, um, but there's evidence that Chaney is a quarterback whisperer and it's clearly not translated. Crompton and Peterman um, played some bad football like J.G., but they were resurrected by Jim Chaney. You know, no two people are alike. I mean, I, I think the scars for Rob, the scars for uh, Jerry Garantano were different than some of the scars for Jonathan Crompton. And, you know, uh, Lane Kiffin had a large part in Jonathan Crompton as well, um, a, a very large part in that, particularly in that year. Not to say that Jim Cheney wasn't a factor, because he was, but Lane Kiffin was a play caller. And I think if you talk to Jonathan Crompton, he loves Jim Cheney. But he will tell you that Lane Kiffin was the one that restored his confidence as much as anybody did uh, with that one. And obviously, Cheney did a great job with Nathan Peterman. But it, it's about the individual's personalities. And and I just, you know, I just think I think just think Garantano just he can't can't pull the trigger on the ball, um, you know, uh, from a timing standpoint the right way, and he can't avoid the catastrophic mistakes no matter what he's coached to do. And he just has never been able to do anything consistently week in and week out in this league since it's been in the league. Yeah. I mean, I just, I mean, I just think it's as simple as they're two different people. I mean, people don't respond the same way to, you know, maybe, maybe Chaney tried to do exactly the same things with, with Jared that he did with Jonathan and he just, you know, didn't, didn't respond the same. Uh, just de describe how big of a factor you think the lack of spring ball and fall camp have played in the development of the secondary this season. Rob, a lot of people thought that position was going to be a position of strength for this team. And, it, and it's not played out that way, particularly at the safety spot. Um, I, I think the loss of spring ball, you know, was a factor there. But I also think Jalen McCullough's lack of speed is showing up big time. And I think Trayvon Flowers probably did need more spring ball because uh, I don't know that his ball skills have been what you would like for them to be and, and his, you know, reading of things. He's not been the eraser in the back end that everybody was hoping that he would be. He's not been what Nigel was last year. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. That's sure. 
I mean, I, they, they miss. I mean, I, I thought they would miss Nigel. I mean, you don't lose the first team all SEC guy and not feel it. But I, the, the, the impact that his loss has had is far greater than I estimated. And they're just not, I mean, not forget about cleaning up mistakes at safety. I mean, they can't hold their own for the most part. I mean, that's, and I, I'm, I'm sure there's been some other factors in the middle of the field issues, but I, I think you have to start there. And last question here in this mailbag podcast. Am I imagining this or at one point did Pruitt interview Kendall Bryles for the OC spot and that Cheney eventually landed? Do you think Pruitt has any regrets in that selection? Probably not, but it seems Bryles has gotten more out of a reclamation project in Felipe Franks than Cheney has with JG. To my knowledge, Jeremy Pruitt did not interview Kendall Bryles. Now he talked to Jeff Levy, um, who's a part of the the, the Baylor tree and the, the Bryles deal, but um, I, I don't think Kendall Browse is a guy that maybe there was a preliminary conversation, but I don't think it was a real detailed interview or anything like that with, with Jeremy Pruitt. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think, you know, maybe Sarkeesian was, was in there a little bit with Jim Chaney. Um, I know Hugh Freeze's name was bannered about. I think there was some third party conversations and, and, and I think Jeremy Pruitt did talk to Hugh Freeze. Um, and then obviously they ended up with, with Jim Chaney there. Rob, as for the the Browse getting more out of Franks than Cheney has out of JG, Felipe Franks is a better football player. He was a better football player when he landed at Arkansas than Jerry Garantano was. And, and that, I'm not taking anything away from Kendall Browse, but Felipe Franks lost his job because he got hurt. He didn't lose his job because he was a bad football player at Florida. No, I agree. And I also think that – I mean, now, this is just my opinion. I think after the whole um, fiasco in, in his first year – with his offense coordinator, I think Jeremy would have a you know a mature guy, a guy with some stature, a guy that you know he he had complete confidence in running that side of the ball, and a guy he had competed played. against, and a guy he had had a defensively scheme against. And I think that played into it that with you know after what what a mess or what a mess Jeremy thought it was with Tyson Hilton that that first year. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Blue Water Climate Control Volquest.com podcast. Uh, remember, check them out at bluewaterclimatecontrol.com. Great deal going on right now. If you book an appointment online, all the details of that are at the website at Blue Water Climate Control. Uh, that's going to do it for this podcast, this mailbag edition for Rob Lewis and Austin Price and Brent Hubs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody.